Welcome. I'm Therese Padegian, host and founder of Soulful Practices in Business. In this podcast, we have conversations that are created in the moment about managing business and practice life for soulful, intuitive practitioners. Beautiful. Okay. Hello, everyone. Today, I have Elliot Sullivan all the way from Florida in the United States. And we met, we connected over a group meeting that we were having in a particular group that we're in. And um, it was so much fun that I'm like, oh my goodness. First, I was having a really, really, let's just say, shitty day. And um, Elliot just stopped and he listened to me and I felt so seen. And it's so amazing. I'm like, oh my goodness, thank you for being able to see me. And then it turns out he's an author and he's written this amazing book called Women are from bras and men are from penis. <laughs> and I was trying to, oh, yeah, there it is. Um, and then from there, the conversation flowed. And I said, I would love to have you as a guest on my podcast. Um, one of the things we did do is in that little, it was a really brief interaction as well. So we were on there for about six minutes, but it was enough to go, wow, wow, wow. And we talked about play as well. So Elliot, thank you so much for joining us today, all the way from Florida. It, it, absolutely a pleasure. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Australia, it's funny. Uh, I was a very small publisher uh, <clears throat> when I produced that book. And, and in fact, the largest publisher who bought the rights to it was Penn Macmillan Australia. Wow. And I met them at a show in Chicago. <clears throat> and uh, two publishers in Australia were actually competing for the rights to the book. And Pan McMillian, I'm embarrassed, they really gave me, offered me a lot of money. And they said, if we give you such and such amount of money, will we get the book? I said, uh, let me think about it. Yes. <laughs> You're like, one moment, okay. <laughs> I, I thought about it. I thought about it. Okay, yes. I accept your offer. That is beautiful. And anyway, it, it turned out it was number eight when it was launched. It was number eight on the bestseller list in Australia. Wow. So. So I should move to Australia because that's really. The, we love you the, the here. Game. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. can, you, can, can you tell us a little bit more? Are you able? So I was wanting to get the book, and it was out of stock when I looked online. And I'm not a Kindle person, yeah. so can you share a little bit more about the book? Well, I'm happy to. I was just reading it before we started, and yeah. the book was full disclosure written 20 years ago. Yeah. And uh, I'm still laughing. I'm still giggling. And, you know, um, it's really funny. Uh, um, so so I was I met a female comedian uh, who was looking to publish a book on how to understand football for women. And she gave me I was a publisher then mm -hmm. and she gave me a script which. I just, I just didn't think it would fly. And certainly I wasn't willing to publish it. So she said, well, what other relationship books can we, can we create? And there we say, well, how about, um, there's a book called The Rules, which decades ago, there were, these people published a book on how to nail, how to snag a man with these, with these very carefully constructed rules. And basically it was how to play hard to get so you could lure him in little by little, you know? If he asked you for a date on Thursday, you go, oh, no, no, I think I'm busy. He has to ask for a date on for, for Saturday. Saturday night is the best, is the only night you can go out. 
And if he asks you out before later than Wednesday, you say no, because he didn't give you enough notice. So those were the rules. So we decided to create a book called Breaking the Rules. No sooner <clears throat> did we decide that, I'll try to keep the story short. Sorry, uh, I'll look up. It's all right. Yeah. So I speak to my friend who's a book distributor and I go, you know, we're thinking of writing a book called Breaking the Rules. And he says, well, you know, a book like that just came out. And it turns out it was written by a friend of mine who was a female comedian. So, so, we, so we looked at each other, you know, all our brilliant thinking. So we have to come up with another, another book, another relationship book. Well, the, the biggest selling relationship book was John Gray's, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. So we're going on, maybe we can play with the title, Men Are From Bars, Women Are From, no, that doesn't work. Well, all of a sudden, she goes, women are from bras. I go, I got it. <laughs> I got it. You know, and when we got the title, women are from bras, men are from penis. It was like, it was just hysterical. And then we went and started both of us carefully reading John Gray's book, cover to cover, underlining it, you know, marking it up. And we, we, we came up with our book, wow. which, um, yeah you'll actually learn more about men and women from our book than you will from John Gray's book. So, well, yeah, I'll just put the final, the final cherry on the story was we had a designer who actually used the exact typefaces that John Gray used for his book. Of course, we reversed it, you know, but, 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 but uh, I actually saw a very high powered lawyer in New York mm. worrying about John mm. Gray suing us mm. because we ripped, we ripped him off. So we sent the manuscript out to, to all these relationship experts. Must've been at least 20 or 30. And they were all these high powered, well-known relate. None of them got back to us. Only one person got back to us and that was John Gray. And his secretary said, well, we've, I've never seen John Gray laugh so hard and he's gonna give you, you know, an endorsement. So he, so he gave us the quote to use, very, very creative, I didn't stop laughing. John Gray, author, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. So instead of being wow. sued. You were you know, endorsed. <laughs> yeah. So, so I ended up, yeah. yeah, Gary, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was no, no, I actually ended up, no, no, go ahead. So I finally I ended up meeting him and I did his courses. So I actually became a certified John Gray relationship instructor. I love right, so that. Go ahead. No, so I'm glad you said that because now, because this is this is the question. So with all that you've done, let's just talk about relationships for a moment, if that works for you. So what? Sure. So what have you found? As are you, are you still a relationship? Would you say you're still a relationship co or practicing a relationship coach now, or in your in in all your work that you've done in your experience? What would you say now when it when it comes to I don't know, dating, relationships, particularly if that was written 20 years ago, the type of interactions, um, different platforms that are now, I don't know, maybe different, may not be. Um, can you comment a little bit about that? I'm really, really intrigued as to is there, is there a different method now? Is it the same? Is it, is it break the rules? Is it, you know, play the rules? What is it? Well, in, in one sense, I'm the right person to speak to. In another sense, I'm absolutely the wrong person to speak to about this. So where I'm the right person, I've been thinking about relationships for you know 50 years. And, uh, 
ever since I was one year old. Some, you know, I'm just joking. I, I, I so uh, I know a lot about relationships, and doing this book was very helpful. Yeah. Plus, I've studied psychology for so many years, and I have a good friend who's a spiritual psychologist, and he talks about his experiences consulting uh, marriage counseling and the problems of men and women. And so I get a lot of good feedback from him. Um, but I personally, some have had the worst luck in relationships. Um, recently, I, I saw, I, I <clears throat> met a woman on a dating site and I saw her two times. And I said, that's amazing. I, I just doubled my, my record, my best record. You know, uh, so I can tell you. Love it, yeah. You know, um, uh, traditionally, you know, men. One thing, men are Mister Fix It. Mm -hmm. A woman talks to a man about her problems and and about her job, about her boss, and man says the guy's a the guy's an asshole. If I can say that on your podcast, the guy's a jerk. Why don't you leave your Leave, leave the job or, or tell you, tell the boss you need to ask for a raise because you're working for what you're working. You're not getting paid enough. And that's not, a, that's not at all what the woman wanted to hear. The woman just wanted the man to be there and listen and get where she's coming from. That's it. But the man has to be, no, you, you got to do this. You got to do that. This is what your problem is. He, he can't just take it in and be there, you know? So that seems to be a, 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 and speaking to my psychologist friend, he said, the biggest complaint that women have about men is that they don't listen. They're not good listeners, you know? So I think that's probably still true today, but, you know, with social media and this, the speed and the gender issues, I, I have to admit, I'm not, I'm not on top of it. So there, well, things might be a little different. What's, what's the flip side? If women have these complaints, then what are the complaints that men have? Or men don't have complaints? Well, I'm sure they do. Um, you know, the, the uh, I'll tell you my complaint. Okay. That's all we can <laughs> and, go. And we can go up our own experience. I, we can start there. Uh, I spent a lot of, I spent six years in India. Mm. And I didn't know, I didn't understand why I was never married until I went to India. Now this is fairly recently, this is 2010 is when I went to India. So it's only 10, 10 11 years ago. Um, and the attitude of the men and women there is completely different. I mean, it is a male, generally a male dominated culture. Mm. But my attitude is I'm not interested in dominating a woman. I just don't wanna be subservient to a woman. There is a lot of women have feel entitled and that it's a man's job to make them feel special, make them feel, you know, protected, to prov to provide resources for them, uh, money being a big one, uh, you know. So they want it. They want to to feel safe. But then again, what about the man? The man, you know, when I sp often speak with a woman, the conversation is about her, which is fine. But I, I'll, the, for every four conversations I'll have with a woman, one will say, okay, now tell me about you. I know nothing about you. Where were you born? What is this? What are you interested in? Oh, you're into this, you're into that, you know? So my complaint is it's not a two-way street. In the West, 
the women feel the attention has to be given to them. Whereas in India, the, the women are actually, um, they're given bonus points. We can call them karma points or dharma points. They're given, and and, the, and the, the great Krishna Lord God in the sky gives the woman points when she serves her husband. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I go, listen, you don't have to, you don't have to serve me. Just, just, let's just, let's just go 50, 50, yeah. you know, I'll be, I'll be very happy with that. So I don't know if that answers your question, Therese, but well, it, it those does. are some of the issues. It was interesting because it's like when you first shared and you said, this is the complaint that women have, I'm like, yeah, okay. And I'm waiting for, and what's the other side of the story? And it just felt like, right. it's like well, this is what everyone wants to hear. So there you go. And it's like, oh. Okay, well, I'm actually quite interested. There's got to be a flip side as well, right? There's got to be what right. the other interaction right. because it's just not one-sided. Um, no, right. I think I, I think it's really I think relationships are really interesting. I think my background, coming from an ethnic background and, and migrant, uh, where you know women are seen but not heard, um, a lot of okay. shame, and then kind of coming into migrating to a country where it's different. There's a conundrum of uh, which which way do I go? Who do I be? What do I, um, you know, th th there's that. It's like there's a, oh, you know, I don't know where to play here. And you can't kind of become meld of both because it's a bit confusing, right? But let's yeah. um, let's flip it a bit. Let's talk about the idea of, I think one of the things when we connected is this idea of play. And we could give and we could take. And for me, it was so much fun. And we were just kind of like creating in that bubble. Um, and I do, on, on one of these podcasts as well, another conversation is I'm sitting down with two of my friends and we are actually talking about play. What is play? I am quite curious. Is this something that you have ever ventured in to kind of go, well, what is play? Yeah. Well, it's more than just ventured into Therese. Oh. Um, it's, it's a major, play is a major um, distinction in the work I'm doing. Mm. I mean, I would, and the funny thing is I just use work in a sentence, but I would, I would, uh, I almost would rather never use the word work in a sentence yes. other than that, oh, I've, I've produced a large body of work in my, in my career, you know, or, mm. or, you know, you're doing great work, keep it up, you know, but the idea of work versus play, um, I would like to dis eliminate that distinction. And I'm not the only one. First mm -hmm. of all, Eckhart Tolle, I don't know if you or your audience is familiar with him. He's pretty well known right now of the world. Uh, Robert Frost was a well-known po poet in the United States. Uh, and he wrote a poem, the last paragraph, and I don't remember the whole verse, but it's basically, that there is no distinction between work and play. Mm. Um, um, he, for him, work, work and play is like having, having one eye see differently from your other eye, meaning that they both see together. That, that uh, I like to use the line, my, my vocation, my avocation and mm. my vacation are the same. So it all involves play. Mm. Now, now the thing is, I, I've come up with, I came up with about eight different levels of play. But in terms of simplicity, you can almost, you can almost break them down in three. 
So one is like silly play or, or, or um, the play of comedy or where you just party, the play, the par party play. Uh, the, I don't know if they have um, happy hour in Australia. They do. But in the United <laughs> States, they do. Okay. So that's happy hour play, you know. Mm -hmm. Then there's a the present moment play, which is I've got to go to the store and I've got to pick up, you know, quarter milk, a dozen eggs. I got to I got to do this. I got to do that. I have to go get this repair that. So that's everyday play. Most people think it's chores or you know errands, but it's just everyday movement that we have to do. And when you're present to that and focused on it, it can be, I call it everyday play. Mm. It doesn't have to be a chore. It's, it's, it's movement in the present moment. And then there's what other people would call, hey, you got to get serious. It's about time you got serious, you know? And I would rather not use the word serious, but I call it like deep immersion play, the play of deep immersion. Um, a composer who doesn't want their, their maid uh, uh, interrupting them with food. They don't even want to eat. They're so involved in their work, you know, deep engagement. So there's deep immersion, which people call seriousness, but I called, uh, call, it, call it deep play, mm -hmm. everyday play, and just fun play. Mm. So, so uh, the idea of play is that as opposed to I see if I can articulate this. I'm not doing such a great job here. You are. The idea of work, the, the idea of work is that it involves obligation. You know, oh, I got to go to work. Oh, gee, I'm late for work. You know, how was it? Oh, thank God. Five, 15, I'm looking at the clock, 15 more minutes, I can leave work. You know, it's this obligation. Play doesn't have that tone to it. Play is flowing with the moment. Now, that doesn't mean, you, you know, we all have to make a living. But you can go to your job as a, as a function of everyday play where you simply do your job. But it doesn't have to be this resistance, you know? You don't have to take, uh, you know, two mm. tranquilizers. You know, I, I, I don't know what the statistics are in Australia, but Monday morning at nine o'clock is the time when most people have heart attacks in the United States. Is it? Because, oh, no. yeah, huh? Is it really? You know no, I didn't know that yeah. at all. Yeah, that's the time. Oh, well, why is that? Is that a coincidence, 9 a.m. on Monday morning? Wow. You know, it's like, oh my God. I, oh, I just can't, oh, that, I gotta go to the office. I gotta face that bitch or that idiot or that idiot or that, you know, I can throw a million uh, expletives. Yeah. But the whole thought of going to the same job they've been in and being in that environment produces a heart can produce a heart attack mm. if you're not flowing with the moment. Mm. If, if you're, you're not choosing anyway, so you get it. Do you want to? Do you want to jump in for a second? No, because what? it's it's interesting because people ask me, you know, what do you work? And I'm like, I don't work, and I forget to say it's like clinic is not work for me. Adjusting people is not, it's literally, and I had to take my time to really understand what it meant by vocation. And it's like, that is actually my expression, my being, and what I'm actually bringing. Like, this is the gift of who I bring. And so when, when people talk about work, I'm just like, my system just goes, ooh, 
I'm like, okay, like, and then, and then it's like, well, do you enjoy your work? And it's like trying to justify how much they enjoy, you know, how much they enjoy their, their work, so to speak. And I'm like, you know what? I love my expression. I love, I know the gift that I do sometimes. Yeah, it's hard. It takes so much of me and, you know, most of the time it doesn't. And it's like, but it's not a, oh, I got to go, but I wasn't like, I got to go to work. But I will say thing one thing, Elliot, I had to draw boundaries as to how I did it. So I had to work. I had to really define what hours I worked that made me happy. I found that if I worked a little bit over, it actually stopped making me happy. And I thought, well, you know what? If there is this expression and I am, there's this gift and I, and I feel like I'm passing on a gift, right? Um, it's like I have to respect myself and go, here are my boundaries. And the more boundaries that I have that I know that work for me, the better, the funner, the more like livelier I am, the better result that I actually can give. So I think one of the things is it's like most people think that you have to, you know, say work particular hours or if you're not working, working particular hours, you're not producing. My mind's going, okay, how can I just effectively serve so like so what's the word it's how can I serve so effectively for myself and for everyone else so it's a it's a totally different I actually feel it's a totally different ball game but like um if people say this is work I'm like this is play I'm connecting with an awesome human being in Florida I'm finding out all these amazing things and it's like wow I know that even one person listen to this that's going to impact and I'm like if it's just one person, I'd rather that than 500 people listening and having no, you know, going, oh, yeah, whatever. Who cares? Do you get what I mean? So, yeah. I do. I do. No, no. Do we getting a feedback or are we okay with the sound? Yeah, we're okay. I'm okay. Yeah. Great. Um, you're, what you just said is perfect. I mean, yeah. what you did, what you just expressed was exactly the idea of combining work and play so that so there is no distinction between the two you're yeah. simply expressing yourself in life uh, I mean you, you you said it you said it better than I could but there I'm sure there are people listening who say well that's good for you but you know I have I have rent I have to pay and I have bills I have to pay and I've got a children I've got to take care of and frankly I don't care for my job but if I didn't have my job, you know, my family would be out on the street, you know. So, so then we get into we 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 you got to be realistic. Yeah. And you say yes, but you're choosing to do the job. You're choosing to do the activity that's producing your paycheck, your your uh, your salary. So that we have to give. Now there are emotions that are coming up of resistance. This is where the real play comes in. Let them be. Mm. Don't say they shouldn't be there. You know, I hate my job, but I've got to do it. Just be with the, be with the negative feelings. And then, then you can be creative. You know, we met in a, in a venue of what's possible. Okay, well, you've got the, the family needs, the these needs, the that needs. You have so much money you have to generate. What's possible? Do you have to stay at your job? Is it possible to have a different job? Is it possible to, to recreate your job? 
there are these books called uh, entrepreneurs, not entrepreneurs, where you actually are, rather than becoming self-employed and starting your own business, you actually figure out how you can uh, maximize and optimize your relationship with your company. Maybe you can get, get a promotion where you're in charge of a certain area that you actually like. You say, you know, I hate my job, but if I was the head of this department, that would be pretty cool. I think I would enjoy that. So now you've got a how question. What's possible for me in this job such that I can be happier, uh, um, more fulfilled, and odds are, chances are, if you're doing what you like in the company, you're probably gonna be making more money. Mm. So you see what I mean? This idea of play yeah. is, very, is very flowing. It's very, it's very elastic and plastic. It's not you know, this yeah. kind of rigidness which is going to produce a heart attack on Monday morning. You know yeah. what I mean? I loved, um, I loved just what you shared there when um, you said, you know, you got to like reality, right? So, you know, if someone does have, you know, the mortgage or the kids, or it's easy for you to say, you know, I've got to, I've got to pay the bills. And it's not about just flipping. It's about, okay, ask to start, start asking different questions. It may be a journey. Like it's not going to happen overnight. Like, so for me, I know, it's like I'd listen, I'd listen, and then after how many years, I'm like, wow, now I am fully embodying it, okay? Before, I'd be like, no, nothing happened or whatever, but now I'm like starting to see, oh, it actually, for me, it took time to figure out the other questions, I, that, like the smarter questions I wanted to ask for myself to go, well, what's, what's another way? And being open to it, and you were saying, you know, the emotions that come with it, Man, Elliot, I had to part with so many emotions, I tell you. It like, it's hard. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. is it hard? It's like, it feels like you have to feel stuff and it's easier to repress the thought, um, the feelings at times. Um, and I get that. I get that with a lot of my clients, the one-on-one -on -one clients that I have and, and, they, and they just want more people in the door. I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's just stop. Why do you want more people in the door? Because if you do have more people in the door, it means and then you're successful. I'm like, well, is it really? Like, let's just explore that. If that it is, well, let's do it. Let's get more people through the door. But what you realise is most people don't want more people through the door. They actually want that one-on-one -on -one connection, you know, less but more, and more impactful. Um, and there is this thing of I need more and more and more because that's just what they either see their colleagues do or that's, you know, that, that there's somewhere in that consciousness there that oh, we have to do it that way. So it's, it's interesting kind of stepping out and doing it differently and going, well, you know what, you can say whatever it is that you want to me, but I am, and I am so happy with where I am. I'd rather be happy. <laughs> so, yeah, I do love that yeah. you mentioned that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah. just just following up on the very last thing yeah. you said, I mean, that's a dilemma. People would rather be, have an image, many people, you know, there's always exceptions. Many oh. people feel they're obligated to live a certain kind of life or to do certain kinds of things and they sacrifice their happiness. Now, happiness yeah. is a very, it's a tough word. I almost don't like it because uh, because there's really organic inward happiness that where you're happy no matter what happens. Uh, and then there's conditional 
happiness that's dependent on your circumstances. Oh, I got a raise, I'm so happy. You know, oh, uh, you know, uh, uh, anyway, you know, I, I got uh, the thing I wanted to buy, it just went on sale, I can get it half off. You know, wow, I just saved all this money, I'm so happy. You know, just very, very superficial happiness. But um, where I'm coming from is happiness is first as, you're, as, a, as a condition of who you are. So play emanates from the joy of who you are. Mm. It's natural. Kids, you know, uh, if you just, just watch children, three years, four years, go by a preschool. I mean, it's just amazing. First of all, they're waving, hi, hi. Do you know me? Do you know that I'm a stranger? Hi, hi, you know? Okay. And then they're pushing, pushing cars and they're what doing on the swings, trying to go higher and higher on the swings, you know? And they're doing all these games and uh, they, run, they look very serious. They're running around doing something, building something, you know, but it's so cute. But we lose that. That's who we really are. And we think that, oh, they're, you know, that's just, they're just children. They haven't realized they're not adults like us where they have to live in the real world. So we'll, you know what I'm saying? But in yeah. fact, we're living, we're, we're, we're acting child, childish because we think it's, it's, it's uh, righteous somehow to be serious and pursue something that's against our true nature. You know, yeah. it's, and the irony is that's that's why I'm i into you know I'm I call my work positively ridiculous, because mm -hmm. the irony is that what makes you happier, what's fun, just like what you're saying with your own work, you'll be more successful, you'll be making more money. I have so many examples in my own work experience, where the more fun I had at a particular job, uh, this was when I was in advertising, some accounts I would just suffer through, and then. The, the person I was working for would try to um, chisel me out of the money that I'm asking for or delay in paying my bill. And on the other hand, the account I had the most fun for was this huge supermarket chain. I mean, a billion dollar supermarket chain. And we created these funny ads. The, the vice president that I was, who was my boss, would have me in stitches with his, you know, telling stories. I would be crying, laughing so hard. We would go out to lunch, have, have a, you know, have a lovely time. We produced uh, large projects that were extremely profitable. You know, we had fun doing it. And the checks were paid reliably. So there's this opposite situation. It's almost like people think it's good that they suffer, that they think small, they're afraid to, to get out of the box. And yet it's the people like Richard Branson, who's a, who's a you know, Virgin Airlines and, and um, uh, Virgin Records. And you know, he's, a, he's worth easily $5 billion. For him, there's no, no difference between work and play. He mm. says, it's all, for him, he says, it's a quote from him. I don't, haven't memorized it, but he says, basically, it's all life. Work, play, forget it. It's all life, it's life. You know, mm. he's living whether he's, anyway. So I uh, don't mean to, to go off on a rant, but I'm noticing that the opposite, that life rewards play. Life mm. rewards joy. It rewards yeah. your doing what, what you love and what's natural. It, mm. it, uh, it, I don't wanna say it, pun life doesn't punish, nothing punishes, but life uh, 
you experience scarcity when you try going against your nature. Mm. You experience opposition, you experience your own resistance, you experience resistance from the world when you go mm. against what, who you are and what's natural. And it sounds a little bit like a cliche, but it's, you know, it's really true. Yeah. So that's what I found. I loved when you, um, when you started there, you're like, we are happiness, like period, like it is all inborn in us. And I'm reading this book, um, it's called Braided Sweetgrass. And it's um, native, in, uh, it's um, ancient wisdom, um, uh, ancient wisdom teachings about nature plants and um, the, the science aspect of it as well. And in there, it says in the, indige in the native indigenous um, culture of, of America, it says they don't like they don't actually say please because it is inborn in them that they understand that there is respect with every single human. So if you're sitting at the table and you say, you know, can you pass me the salt? It's not, can you pass me the salt, please? It's we know that there's an underlying respect for everyone. So when you ask for the salt, you ask for the salt, like a please is actually not needed. Um, and I really like that. And when you said that, I'm like, wow, that's what it reminded me of because it's like, you know what, there is something inborn in us. We don't need to, you know, get it. We don't need to be ashamed for it. We don't need to be, we just need to just live it. So, um, yeah, I liked, I like what you said that. But um, as, as the time's coming up, I will have to round this up, Elliot. Um, where can pe my people find you? Where can people find you? Wow. Um, if I give a website, it's under construction, so they're not going to find it. Yeah. But I just, reg I just registered the domain positivelyridiculous.fun. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And I was amazed that, that, wait a minute, dot fun is a legitimate extension. You don't have to have dot com. So it's positively ridiculous dot fun. So look for it in about a month or so. Yeah, this will be because uh, by the time this comes out, for all those who's listening, it'll be all ready. So go yeah. and check it out. <laughs> yeah. And I can also say that this is on, this is on Amazon. Uh, yep. Women are from bras, men are from penis. It's a, it's uh, $2.99 US dollars. Uh, I don't know what it is Australian, but uh, yes. it's very funny and, and, and I, yeah, I right. think you'll enjoy it. She'll go on with that. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Appreciate your time and the beautiful discoveries yeah. that we have had together. And I do look forward to connecting with you soon.